This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Very excited. Uh, we actually have two guests this week. Uh, I had a late edition that I got to hop on. We're going to be talking to Howard Brody, the COO of Ring Warriors. Uh, stunned the wrestling world by announcing last week that they are going to be debuting on uh, WGN. Uh, so 80 million potential viewers that uh, will have another option of wrestling to watch. So uh, that one came out of nowhere. And uh, so I wanted to get Howard on and find out a little bit about Ring Warriors and uh, what they have planned for uh, their foray into uh, the U.S. television world of professional wrestling. Also going to have WWE Hall of Famer Ricky Morton with us. And I am so excited. Ricky's a great storyteller and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, part of, unless you, you're, you're talking about the Midnight Express, part of the greatest wrestling tag team of all time, in my opinion. I don't know how you distinguish between rock and roll and, and the Midnight Express. To me, it's just sort of a package deal. Uh, so looking forward to uh, uh, a little double duty, uh, having uh, two guests come on. And uh, we'll have, tell some stories with Ricky Morton and get a little bit more info about Ring Warriors on WGN. I wanted to start out the podcast by, please, I'm begging you, if, 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 if I'm wrong, Please, please get in touch with me as soon as you can on Twitter so I can back off the ledge and tell me that SummerSlam's main event is not Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, six? Is it six? Is it five? How many, how many times have these guys wrestled? I am very, very rarely negative of WWE because I know how hard it is to put together five hours of television each and every week to keep storylines going with all the talent, with all the egos. So I try my best not to be negative about any television entity. Uh, but I just was looking forward so much to a Lashley uh, Brock Lesnar match. Uh, there's so many ways you could go with a match like that. Both of them legitimate MMA stars. Uh, both of them have had success on a major platforms in mixed martial arts. And, uh, and both, you know, uh, on a WWE platform, especially with Brock getting ready to go back to UFC, it looks like, uh, and face uh, Daniel Cormier. So it, it it just seemed to it seemed like the stars lined up perfect for everybody, but they can't get away from the Brock Lesnar thing. So if it's true, if it's indeed true, and I'm pretty sure it is, that the main event of SummerSlam is going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I'm begging the wrestling gods. I'm begging Vince and crew. Just put the belt on Roman Reigns once and for all. Just do it. Bite the bullet and may the chips fall where they may. Because uh, I don't think, seriously, I mean, they have a loyal audience. And they're really, uh, you know, the only major game in town. There's a lot of games in town. Uh, but uh, they're the only major game in town. They're the only billion-dollar company out there. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously dictate the entire wrestling business. But uh, just put the title on them already. Bite the bullet. I'm begging you. If I, 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 met, 
I have been a subscriber of WWE Network since it started. Before that, I specifically had one cable company over the other because they had the, uh, the I believe, 24-7 uh, uh, gimmick that they had with uh, uh, the wrestling channel on cable. And uh, I purposely, well, really, I did it for the NFL Network and for the WWE 24-7. But I've been a loyal follower of uh, the stuff that they do uh, I like a lot of the old stuff they put on, a lot of the documentary-type packages that they have on, good stuff, and uh, send in my nine ninety nine every month. But I might actually seriously think about, if they don't put the belt on Roman and just and, 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 and tease us again, uh, I, I just don't know. Somebody who's been around this business for over 30 years, I'm no expert. I don't know how many more times you could do that tease. Please, just put it on him. Or I have a better idea. Stick Lashley in and make it a three-way and put the belt on Lashley. There you go. Maybe cooler heads will prevail. Nothing against Roman Reigns. Nice guy. Uh, uh, you know, it's not his fault. Uh, I feel bad for the poor guy. But uh, they should have turned him heel a year and a half ago. And if they'd have turned him heel a year and a half ago, they could have turned him babyface right before SummerSlam 2018. And he'd have been a big star and he won the title, but they didn't. The, you know, the chase goes on and on and on. And the fans have let everybody in that promotion know how they feel. Again, this is nothing personal towards Roman. Nice guy, talented guy. Uh, just, uh, you know, sometimes the fans tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Or not even right and wrong, what they like and what they don't like. And, and they've been pretty clear. So turn the guy heel. Uh, and, 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 and give him a second chance at, at a career. And uh, that is my rant. I very rarely rant on this show, but that is my rant uh, because uh, I just cannot believe when I saw, and I didn't watch it live, but when I saw on Twitter that they took the match away from Lashley that he had won at the pay-per-view and, uh, and, and gave it to Roman Reigns, I just was like, uh, you have to be kidding me. So that is my rant for the week. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at David Penzer at Penzer Ringside and um, uh, love interacting with you guys. Uh, so uh, hope you enjoyed the interview last week with Bobby Blaze. Got a lot of people who have reached out to me and I appreciate uh, reaching out to me and letting me know they didn't even didn't, you know, really weren't around during Bobby Blaze's time, but they still enjoyed the stories. And uh, so that means a lot to me because, it gives me confidence to have people like that on who, who a lot, some of the audience, some people in the audience may not know, but may want to hear their stories and their story and our stories. So uh, I appreciate all the, the kind words that were sent and thank Bobby again for his time. So uh, looking forward to uh, Rick jumping on with Ricky Morton in just a little bit. And uh, before that, want to bring on an old friend of mine who uh, just done the wrestling world with a big announcement this past week uh, about na a national television distribution deal that nobody, and I mean nobody, saw coming. So please welcome the COO of Ring Warriors, Howard Brody. Ladies and gentlemen, this past week, a wrestling promotion called Ring Warriors that's led by an old friend of mine named Howard Brody, who's the chief operations officer. They stunned the wrestling world. Uh, starting on Saturday, September 15th at 8 a.m., they're going to debut on WGN America. 
hearing the information right, that now makes you the second highest uh, amount of uh, potential uh, wrestling fans being able to watch after WD, WWE than any other promotion. Is that true, Howard Brody? Uh, I, well, I guess that's what they say. Listen, it's uh, it's an amazing, I won't say turn of events, but it's really yeah. kind of it's really kind of a cool thing for us, you know. And congratu- uh, congratu- that- congratulations, by the way. Uh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, look, I know you. What? How many years? Like thirty years, something like that. Um, so you, you know, you know, I've been at this before. You know, we did women. I did women's wrestling many, many years ago. I got a great team of uh, partners involved in this project. You know, um, a guy by the name of Howard Lipkin, um, who's one of my best friends, um, uh, engineered the deal with uh, WGN America uh, to, to get us on WGN America. Um, we have uh, one of my other best friends, Larry Brannon, is my p- partner in crime at uh, at Ring Warriors. He's our, you know, he's the CEO of Ring Warriors LLC. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I uh, have been down this path before, and we're very excited. Look, it's, you know, <laughs> I've been doing this a long, long time, and, I'm I'm really quite happy because and, and one of the main reasons I'm happy is I get to work with two of my best friends on something that I love, you know. So, you know that, that that's uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're successful already. You know sure. how many, you know how long we're going to go is all going to depend on, um, you know, how the show is received by the fans. Um, I think we put a hell of a roster together uh, of talent. Um, you know, we have some seasoned veterans and we have some, uh, you know, some some really high profile guys like uh, uh, Austin Aries and Eli Drake and Jeff Cobb, uh, Marty the Moth. You know, these are guys that have been high profile. Um, like I said, we have some seasoned veterans like Chase Stevens and uh, Cassidy Riley and even Francisco Chiazzo and um, we got some really good young guys, you know, young blood, and, and these guys have also been around, like Jerome Nelson and uh, uh, Royce Isaacs and Alexander Hammerstone and Alex Chamberlain, um, Luke, you know, Luke Hawks. I mean, we got a a very solid roster. We got two of the best women in the world in Santana Garrett, Melissa Anderson, on our roster. Wow. Um, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we're putting a great roster together to deliver the best product that we believe that we, uh, will be putting together, you know, for, uh, for Saturday mornings on WG in America. And I'm just, I'm just ecstatic, you know, uh, we, we got a great broadcast team and, uh, Blake Chadwick and Larry Brennan. Um, you know, we got killer Ken Resnick doing, I saw that. He's you- back. Ken Resnick out of you know, retirement. Wow. Ken, uh, Ken has been a friend of uh, Howard Lipkins for uh, the better part of 20 years. Um, you know, and, and the guy is like just super, super professional. You know, he knows his, he knows his stuff. So like, like I said, you know, sometimes timing, it's all about timing. It's being in the right place at the right time. And uh, like I said, we've got a great roster. We've got a great, uh, uh, we got a great, uh, and, and, you know, on camera crew and, a, and actually Howard has put together a fantastic behind the, uh, behind the scenes crew of production to execute the vision of creativity. So 
I cannot be happier with, with what we're doing. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's not a one person show. It's not, you know, it's a team effort to, to do what we're going to be doing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we know, we know people are going to be watching us and uh, we just have to execute and deliver the product to the fans. Absolutely. For those who may not have heard of Ring Warriors, uh, it was founded by yourself and, and the late uh, great hero Matsuda uh, back some time ago and was has mostly, correct me if I'm wrong, been an international syndicated product. Um, how, who had the idea of trying to uh, get on television here in the U.S. on WGN America um, and to, to change sort of the, the template of what it was from an international uh, syndicated wrestling show to a uh, competitor for WWE and well, Ring, so, Ring of well, Honor. Well, first off, first off, you got to do a timeout. There is nobody compete with WWE. Let, 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 let's be real. You know, anybody that has you know visions of grandeur, I'll, I'll let those be the multi-billionaire groups that want to go up against WWE. That's not us. Where all we're doing is providing another form for wrestling fans with some different talent. Um, you know, look, there are, there's some great programming out there, both on the air, online. Um, you know, it's just kind of cool for us to be on the platform that we're going to be on um, and to be able to deliver the product. The, um, uh, you know, uh, in the past, Ring Warriors, yes, it was an international product. Uh, it was started in the late 90s, uh, actually late 1992 by Hiro Matsuda. Um, I actually worked for Hero as a, uh, a salesperson, um, getting the show on in overseas markets. Um, and then Hero brought me in as a partner, you know, and then he got ill and we kind of, you know, the uh, Ring Warriors kind of went into a, a stasis, I guess, for lack of a better term. And a few years ago, we, you know, we brought the name out of retirement. We started doing some local shows in South Florida. Um, by 2012, we were doing... Uh, we had our first run of television. We had some pretty decent exposure overseas and you know, places like Singapore and Malaysia and the Philippines and the UK. And I think, you know, I think we're on a Poland and a few other places like Eastern Bloc, you know, and really, and, and we were on like YouTube and, you know, some stuff like that. Big in um, Poland. You're big in Poland. Big in Poland. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're huge, huge with the Polish fans. Um, no, but, but, it, but it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was what it was, right? Um, and there was some talk about getting on domestic television. Nothing really happened. And um, uh, the money wasn't there to really sustain us for what we wanted to do. And, and so we just kind of let things alone. And, you know, some of the old shows are still out there somewhere, you know, on, uh, uh, in some overseas markets. You know, not, not really anything big. Um, and then... Uh, Howard Lipkin came to me and said, uh, "What's maybe I don't know, maybe five months ago? Hey, you want to do wrestling again?" I, said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> every time you, you know, walk and, away, what's what's the saying? Every yeah, time we walk yeah, away, they drag, they, me walk away they drag me back in. <laughs> no, but Howard and I have been like friends, and and you know, years ago, um, you know, he always wanted to do something, and we, it just never worked out. Uh, but he came up with a way to be able to make this happen, and. Uh, uh, you know, and he invited Larry and I to, to, to be involved, you know, with Ring Warriors. And so we brushed off the brand and we decided to do a reboot. And, and, and you know, so we took a look at, you know, took a look at some different talent, take, 
took a look at what we did, you know, different than, than we did three years ago, which was the last time we shot some television. Um, and uh, I, like I said, I think we got a great combination of talent, on-camera personnel, behind-the-scenes people, to to really make a make you know to really make a go at this. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a long time coming for me personally. Look, Dave, you've been waiting, uh, you you've know, been waiting you know thirty me. you've been waiting thirty years to make that announcement that you made last yeah, night. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah, about thirty-two. Listen, the last time. Well, you remember, like years ago, when you worked for WCW, I remember you actually you coming over uh, when I was promoting Wild Women of Wrestling, which was the first TV show I did in 1990. Sure. I remember you coming over to the building and watching our tape on the big one-inch reels, and you looked at me and you said, like, why the hell isn't this on TV? It looks great. And it's like, yeah, we spent like $100,000 making like four episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like so expensive to do that stuff back then. Um, uh, you know, it's just a, it's it's a long time in the making for me personally. I think Hero would be very very pleased of what we've been able to, you know, kind of accomplish. And I'm just looking forward to the run. You know, sure. it's you know I, I get to like I said I get to work with two of my best friends. Um, there are a couple of other people that are involved that that have been friends of mine for many many years. Uh, a guy by the name of Fred uh, Fred Richards, who's a, a referee he's been a longtime friend of mine um uh, you know and, and and a couple of other people like you know chris uh, chris nelson chris tipton you know one one half of the uh, heavenly bodies of with uh, with larry brandon right when yes, sir. when larry was wrestling his vita Dinucci. so uh, you know i'm just i'm, I'm ecstatic I, I really am it's it's almost like almost anticlimactic you know and it's uh <laughs> Uh, aside, aside from the fact that I probably have had like 300 friend requests all of a sudden on Facebook and it's like, oh, God, like, fun, please. Funny, fun, like, funny how that you know, works. I, yeah. It's like people, you know, people won't give you the time of day and, and then all of a sudden, hey, buddy, how you yeah. doing? <laughs> funny how that works. And it's, and it's like, listen, if you want to get booked, contact Larry Brandon. Not <laughs> contact Howard Brody. Put all the heat Larry on Larry handles the talent. <laughs> hey, last question. I'm not yeah. sure. It's the million dollar question, and I'm not sure you can answer it. But I'm No, gonna, I don't need a ring announcer. But, no, no, not that. <laughs> I, I'm just teasing, David. By the way, who is the ring announcer going to be? Just out of curiosity actually, since you brought it up. Actually, it's a, um, a guy who ring announced our very first show at the Armory in uh, in Fort Lauderdale, a gentleman by the name of Dan Masters. Oh, Dan good. lives in LA now. Good for Dan. Dan's a great and guy. He, and he is a great guy. He's a great talent. He, um, uh, you know, he's all about social media and doing stuff. He worked a little bit for the uh, women of wrestling out in LA. And, um, he works with, um, 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 you know, with Joe's promotion, um, uh, PCW out there, PCW ultra, which is a great promotion, by the way, out of California. Right. Um, you know, and, and Dan's, you know, Dan is, uh, we wanted somebody who, who we knew how to pump the crowd and, and was local out there. <laughs> so no, no, um, Hey, no hard feelings. Dan. Good for Dan. Did Dan used to work with wild side with Bill Barron's? Dan actually, uh, I think I, I'm not sure if he worked for wild side. I know he worked for dusty, uh, at TCW and dusty ran turnbuckle. And that's how I met, initially was introduced to Dan because Dan was actually Danny V or, or something like that uh, before he was Dan Masters. So uh, it was like, uh, I think this might have been a manager. 
I think I did. Sure, I think but... I did an angle with him on Wildside for Bill Barons. I was just—I always wanted to be a heel, you know. I was just the the ring announcer, and so they made they 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 I came went up to that small little building where Wildside sure. taped, and I think we did an angle where I came out and berated him. Maybe it wasn't him, but I, I know Dan. Dan's well, a good well, guy. Well, how I listen—I remember, I, and it had to be like two thousand and one. Uh, we were running the NWA Florida out of the Armory in Tampa, and oh. you came and you just showed up one night, and and I and I remember we, you and I were just talking, and it's like I turned to you, I said, David, you want to do the main event? And you said, Hey, that'd be kind of cool. And Mark Nolte, God bless his soul, he got all bent out of shape. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. I, 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 yeah, I, ba- I barely like, remember hours. that. I will. I, I I could honestly <laughs> say that I pride myself on. Always drinking after the show's over, but never drinking before the show starts or during the show. Yeah, and but, I can honestly yeah, say that think, that's the one time that I has was inebriated when I announced a match. But uh, well, well, you weren't, um, you know, you weren't there to work. You came there to kind of hang. Yeah. Listen, the the one thing that was really cool about running Tuesday nights in Tampa when we did the Armory was we never knew who was going to show up. You know, one week would be John Laurinaitis, uh, Jamie Noble would show up. You know, sometimes it ended up working. Uh, I remember, I remember um, we were doing an angle with um, Brian Blair and Steve Kern and uh, 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 the late Al Green and um, Jungle Jim Steele were actually there, and he uh, and, and he had worked at the time as Wolf Wolf Hawkfield, I think was the name, um, something like that. Anyway, they weren't supposed to be on the card, and we're doing some kind of angle, and Steve goes to them and says, hey, I need you guys to do a run-in and do such and so, you know. And they just did it, and it was kind of cool for the fans because they weren't expecting people. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, Sandman, Sandman showing up to sell some, some uh, you know, sell some uh, uh, merchandise in the back. And while he was in the building, I said, hey, I need you to do a run-in and hit Steve Carino over the head with the kendo stick, and, and he did. So it was like fun stuff like that and things that, you know, very rarely happened today, um, but it was fun. Those shows, those shows were a blast. Yeah, really I was were. there. I was there with Billy Kidman and Tori, I believe. Uh, oh, Bill, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So the million dollar question is: you know, you got got people like Jeff Jarrett, uh, lifetime in the business, uh, trying to get global force on television. You got uh, you got many, many, many players that have uh, active uh, and 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 with and and no disrespect, but bigger names. Uh, and and probably bigger budgets. So the million dollar question is, how did you get the time slot? Um, I think that's a question for Howard Lipkin. He's the one that made the deal happen. Okay, so no, can't give me any hint. No, no, nah, and even if I knew the answer, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> all right, I but I, away all you. The, I know the magician I, can't tell how every trick is done, David. Come but on, it, man. But, but I had to ask. If I didn't ask, I wouldn't be doing my of job. Course, so of course, but listen. Okay. I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled that we have the spot. We have the opportunity, and now it's up to us to step forward and make sure that we that we make the most of that opportunity. All right. And and I know I know my partners are very very hyped on it, and we're going to give it the best. And I know our talent is ecstatic because um, it gives them a. You know, we kept listen. We kept a lot of people in the dark about this. We, you know, there were a few people that knew, a few key people that knew, and I'm very, I'm very pleased and very proud that that information didn't get out. Although, I will tell you, I got a phone call from Kevin Sullivan, 
<laughs> asking me if, asking me if we were gonna. No, no, this was this was weeks ago. Asking me if we were going on WG in America, and I'm like, where the hell did you hear that? And he goes, oh, I got my sources, Howard. You know, and it's like, I said, okay. So he says, he goes, you're not gonna tell me. I go, nope. <laughs> I'm Kevin, not gonna tell you. Kevin, uh, Kevin knows someone somewhere that tells him everything. He probably knows like. Uh, he probably knows like stuff that like the president of the United States doesn't know. I'm convinced of it. Uh, far, yeah, well, talk talk about top secret well, clearance. Well, but uh, so well, listen, Kevin, Kevin, listen, Kevin. I I know Kevin. Kevin was one of the first people uh, that I ever interviewed in the business when I was when I was writing for the magazines. Sure. Um, you know, and and he's always been a friend and. Um, you know, we've had an interesting relationship through the years. He's, you know, for what it's worth, Kevin is the guy that introduced me to Todd Gordon at ECW, which is how I started working with ECW many years ago. So it's, uh, you know, and, and he's, uh, you know, a guy like that around the business so many years. He knows so much, you know, um, and, and he's helped Joe um, out in California. Yeah. Uh, Father Joseph Machete, I think, is his... Um, this is persona now, um, but Kevin's helped Joe with the PCW Ultra, and you know, and the, and the show's their product. Um, you know, he's, you know, uh, there are certain people in the business that just have that knowledge. And right. The 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 more you get to listen to people who have been around from before, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, Kevin's no, a good friend. Taking... Kevin's a good friend and a friend of the show. But it's just—it's funny if you just said to me, "Name the one person who found out about this two weeks ago when uh, nobody else knew." Without a doubt in my mind, I would have said Kevin Sullivan. It would have been the first guest. Yeah, and I he would just, have been right. He just like, and he had, and it's funny. I hang up the phone and I'm like, "How a well, I know we're on a podcast, but you know, how the f did he know? What yeah. the hell?" <laughs> so. Uh, it was just kind of funny, you know, and just, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I'll give Kevin a lot of credit. Kevin, like, called me up. He goes, listen, because I know you get ready to put your TV together. And he would rattle off, you know, 10 different names to suggest, you know, guys for, for TV who he thinks would look good on television, maybe help the product. So, you know, he's, uh, he's like, he comes from that school where, you know, he's not afraid to offer and let somebody else benefit from his knowledge. Absolutely. And uh, and I'm grateful for that. I agree. I really 100%. Am. So Saturday, September 15th at 8 a.m. Eastern time, Ring Warriors debuts on WGN America. If you want to learn more about Ring Warriors, you could go to Facebook.com slash Ring Warriors. And, uh, hey, I'm really happy for you guys. I'm really happy for you personally. And uh, and I'm, I'm going to be Thank watching. You, I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, a, I'm not waking up on, on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m., but I'm going to DVR it. And I'm going to watch it, and uh, we'll talk about it on this podcast, and maybe we could get some of your talent on as well. But uh, I'm excited for you. I wish you the best, uh, and I uh, uh, hope you have a long run and uh, maybe sometime get to see uh, you out there in Vegas. But uh, but congratulations, and thanks for hopping on with us. Hey, Dave, appreciate it. Always always have, and you've been a good friend. Thank you for uh for giving us the kudos. Much appreciated. The COO of Ring Warriors, facebook.com backslash Ring Warriors. Be sure to check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us this week on City Ringside, I am excited to have a WWE Hall of Famer, 
and a true legend in the world of tag team professional wrestling. Uh, I think I read on the, I don't, I don't always believe the internet, but I think you re- you held 78 championship belts in your career. Uh, I don't know if, if you remember that or not, but uh, ladies and gentlemen from the uh, Rock and Roll Express tag team, please welcome uh, Ricky Morton to City Ringside. Ricky, welcome. Well, thank you very much. You know, uh, he was just saying that I held 78 titles. You know, and I, I meet people all the time. Hey, you remember this match? Over the course of my career, I was just other day uh, trying to figure up, and I can't figure up how many matches I even had. I mean, it's got to be up, up around close eight to 10,000 matches over four to six years. Sure. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know how many titles I <laughs> You know, uh, I'm out here. I'm out. You know, I'm the independent galore champion, buddy. I still, <laughs> and I'm still out here. I, uh, you know, I still depend on wrestling for a living, but but I love it though. I mean, it's what I do. Uh, absolutely adore our business. And amazingly, as somebody who's put on thirty pounds and has a big bald spot myself, you still look exactly the same. So, God bless <laughs> well, you. Well, you know, uh, you know, now you get, I cover up a lot too. You know what, Dave? <laughs> if you knew me, you, and what you did, you knew me years ago. You know, I'm used to smoke cigarettes, and yes, sir. You know, and, and I quit smoking cigarettes like five years ago. Oh, good. And damn, I put on 50 pounds. Oh, geez. Uh, but but I, I've lost 30 of it. But I have to say this, even though, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm not fat, and I do, I, I go to the gym every day. So, uh, you know, I, I go to the gym for I can eat and drink at night. But that's uh, the way it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of have to look like Ricky Morton to, to you know, to be out there. So uh, God bless you. You still do. Hey, uh, what? You, you grew up in the you grew up in the wrestling business. Your dad was a, a referee. Uh, when when at what age did you realize what your father did? Oh, uh, what he know? Well, gosh, man, you know, this is real different back then. My dad sure put it on the wrestling for a living too. I mean, we started. I started going my dad's at seven, eight years old because we had to put the ring up. My dad pulled the ring, but they do us. Uh, at that time, and you know, and you had to understand that what a lot of you know a lot of your interstates wasn't built in. Uh, right. Spot shows were on two lane roads, one way in, one way out, and uh, uh, but I I enjoyed it, you know. And it's like I try to tell the guys today in this business, you know, I, you know, you have to pay your dues, and ain't the part about paying my dues. It's what we had to do to feed our family. At it, we had to help. My, not only me, I had four brothers too. Uh, that that we all had to go with him, help put the ring up. You know, it was, at that time, I couldn't carry the ring post or the big piece of plywood. But as time went on and we kept doing it and doing it, uh, I finally did, you know, uh, up to I was like 16 years old. And uh, then, you know, I was in high school. I played sports and all that, and I wasn't able to go. And then my dad went to work for Jerry Jerry, and that pulled the ring no more. So uh, it all worked out good. What age did you realize that this that was something you wanted to do yourself, being the wrestling business? Do you remember? Well, you know, but yes, I do. And you know, at first, uh, Dave, after being around the wrestling business all my life, uh, you know, I learned a lot. My dad taught me a lot of stuff. But, you know, when I was 16 to 17 years old, high school, the wrestling business wasn't like it is now. Uh, 
Uh, you had your really small territories where you only drew a hundred people. Uh, I wasn't interested in it. Then I, you know, but when I got like, you know, I had my first match when I was 16 years old and, uh, you know, but, but I, I was looking for other things, you know, you know, you have dreams, but this, when I was like 19 years old, it just hit me. I mean, gosh, you know, it just sucker punched me, knocked me right off my feet. You know, it's, you know, it's time now to start in the business. And, and I went from there. I mean, it was, uh, our business was hard. It still is. I'm yeah. not trying to, I'm not trying to tell everybody out there that's listening. You know, it's like, you hear these old stories. No, I didn't walk 20 miles to the rest of the night. I, I did, when it was four feet of snow, <laughs> but our business was different. It was hard. Right. Uh, a lot, you know, our business really sacred, really, really sacred. Uh, outsiders was hard to get into. Uh, it's nothing like it is now. Uh, everybody I meet today, a wrestler, I think, you know, they come up, give me the, I don't know where they come up with this handshake. Come up and give me a, you know, real light. And what the hell are you doing? I don't know what that, you know, people don't even understand really what that meant. Uh, but they come up and do that a lot. And I, guys, you need to go to wrestling school. They go learn our <laughs> business. They're, you don't know Jeff. Excuse my language. I oh, didn't mean to say that. Oh, you're fine. All right. Hey, All right. hey, I had Rip Rogers on about a month ago, and every third word was the f bomb. So you're you're fine. Whatever you say. Well, you know what I've been working uh, on my grammar a little bit, Dave. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I uh, and of course, you know, I have a podcast too. And the reason I've started doing my podcast is to, to touch up on my speaking now. You know, because you know, in this business, you want longevity. I'm not saying that I can be a commentator for WWE or nothing like that, but it's just, you know, little things that you do uh, when you do interviews. Uh, uh, especially even like doing your podcast today, I try to get my speaking. Just a little bit better because you know you could tell with with his accent out of New York City. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> he's puncturing a bowl of pins. That's what I'm about. So we've had a lot of second generation wrestlers on the podcast over the past year, um, and I always ask this question. Different people have different answers. Um, Wes Briscoe said it wasn't until he was a, a teenager, uh, and 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 Nick Patrick said. Uh, it was uh, like when he was seven or eight years old. So I'm wondering when your dad smartened you up to the, the business. Well, could I tell you a great story? Please. That's why we have you. Yes. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you a great story. I, when I used to go to the wrestling with him, you know, Nick Gillis, gosh, man, back then, Ted Don and Al Green, they were the original heavenly bodies, big guys. Right. And a, and a manager by the name of Gentleman Soul. Saul Weingrock. You know George Weingrock? Yeah, I've heard of Saul. That's what it's his dad, you know, and he and he refereed. I mean, he refereed this me. He managed the Germans. And gosh, at that time, you know, and, and it was so cool because everybody went with what was happening at the time. Uh, I know this is in the late 60s. Uh, but, you know, the thing with the Germans, the war, it, I mean, it was still red hot. It's like Kojo sure. Yamamoto, you know, he was from Japan, but he had heat forever because he was from Japan and what happened in World War II. And sure. Well, it, but, but 
I'm a, I'm watching this match, and I'm like 12 years old. And uh, they're getting uh, it done and out green with the baby faces, and they're getting the you know Don Green five bam, and I'm I'm scared because I think my daddy might get beat up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and I'm watching this match, and I'm watching this match, and all of a sudden, Al gives Don Green the hot tag, and here he come in, boom to boom to boom, and his finish was a stretch. You know, I don't you know. But, I don't know, street. they have so many different names, but it's a stand-up stretch. It was so simple, just a stretch. And uh, so I'm watching this, and he puts the stretch on him. Uh, Don and, and, and the other German goes over here. It's what it's going to be that was going to turn my dad around, but it's qualification because Saul was going to hit him in the back of the head with the cane. Right. So I'm watching this, and I see this, and and right when Saul crawled through the ropes, somebody threw a paper cup and hit Al Green in the back of the head. Now, you got to picture this. It had been back of the head when he took a bump over the top rope out on the floor. Uh, now, do you understand what I'm saying on this finish? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That paper cup hit him in back of the head. He thought Saul hit him in back of the head with the cane. Right. But the paper cup hit him. <laughs> and he does that big bump. Oh, I and got I'm you. Watch- yeah, now you understand what I'm saying. Okay. Right, I got you. And I'm watching my daddy, and he turned my daddy right around when it happened. And my daddy, I, he almost pissed off himself. He was laughing so hard. And then I got to see the Germans laughing, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. But you know what? Then we did every week. We chose and came back the next week, and it snowed out. Of- so, <laughs> you know uh and that's, you know, letting me in because, you know what, my daddy didn't allow me in a Christian. I could go back in a Christian. Uh, right. That was, you know, I went there and we hustled everything. You know, my daddy used to run shows. And at the time, you didn't have all the athletic commissions. Uh, matter of fact, even in 85, so we wrestled for Rockingham. You know, the fire department would come and cut off people. You know, they, they stuck as many people in the building possibly get in there. Right. Uh, but uh, my dad, you know, he, he had a ring, an art ring. He just set it up out in, in a parking lot of a store. Okay, set the ring up, pull a truck up there, stop popping, uh, popping popcorn. And my daddy had a little coat machine. And uh, it was free to get in, but it cost a quarter to sit down. He had a truck or two. <laughs> you know, it was a quarter to sit down. And uh, he'd come walking by and he'd taste the popcorn and tell me, son, you need salt in that popcorn tomorrow. We're going to sell it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, everything worked out. Like, I mean, it was like independent wrestling. No, outlaw, outlaw wrestling, independent wrestling, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, that was like a carnival but, atmosphere, you know, in, in a way. Well, that's what, you know, if anybody ever did history of professional wrestling, that's how wrestling started. Sure. You know, in the carnival, to the circus and stuff. But, you know, some show. Uh, people never even believe that. What you had guys like Strangler Lewis and Carl Gotch and all them, and really how they really got famous was they'd be at Carl's and, you know, it pay so much and wrestling, you know, you got a lot of money, and they didn't really hurt the people they wrestled. They let them almost beat them every time. Right. But then they would beat them, and God, they made money. Then they'd bring the big guy in, the toughest guy in town, 
and they had like the side bets, you know, and trying to wish I got much of them. You know, you get all the money, but boom, they leave town. <laughs> Come back next year. There you you know, it's just the same same thing. That's what our business really started back. And I try to encourage guys, you know. You know, Dave, I have a wrestling school. I train a lot down there. And I'm not not trying to jump from this to that. Oh, no. But it's like I, and it's, it's, it's like I try to tell the guys there, you know, before I can train you, you're going to have to understand what my business is about. Sure. And then you, and then you got to love it because it's not about, it's not about if my drop keep look good or my hurt and karate look good. And then if you watch the matches, which I go out and I still watch the matches, and hell, they do ever move. I mean, the first match, second match, third match, fourth, they're all the same. They just put their high spots in different order. And if they only stop to understand what our business was about, and, and then they would have better. They would understand the thing, you know, because here, when I'm, I'm on the rain, boy, you got me going here. <laughs> because I tell these guys every night, when your match is over, don't go out to somebody that you're there your best friend is telling you how great you are or your girlfriend is telling you how good you are. If your match is over, go find somebody that you don't know right. and then ask them about your match. Sure. And the only thing that they're going to remember is just to finish. You know, that's how you draw money. You know, people, you know, don't worry about your best friend. Oh, God, that was a great move. Go ask somebody that you don't know. And then they, they, they tell you, oh, well, you're, you're the one who got beat, beat on the road. Right. You see, what, what, what I'm, where I, you see where I'm headed to? No, absolutely. And yeah, so that's what our business is about. And it's, sure. inter- it's interesting that you said that about every match looking the same. Uh, do you remember the, the Legends of Wrestling show that you did uh, with Knobs and, and I was there in uh, in Augusta? I think it was a week before WrestleMania when you were gotten oh, all yeah, of that. Oh, yeah, sure did. I so, remember. So... You guys are on the card. Uh, Tataka's on the card. Jim Duggan's on the card. Uh, and and uh, they put they put out a, a independent showcase match as an, a pre-show match. And these guys did every flip-flop, fly-dive. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, thank God a guy like Ricky Morton or Jim Duggan is not watching these guys in the open. It's not even a show <laughs> match. It's a pre-show match. You know, Duggan, God bless him. He does the same exact match he's done he's he's done for forty years and it's still over. It's absolutely amazing. Hey, and uh I was gonna say it still works. But it ain't but it ain't you a know? bunch of guys doing three sixties and four eighties and five fifties in well, the opening match. And I was sort of scared for the guys. I'm looking at the back to see if anybody's watching them because oh, I, you know what? I see if they hurt they so often. You know, Ben Robert is still very active. Business. I mean, we're down somewhere. You know, sometimes we can work four or five days a week. And we're just, you know, we still depend on this wrestling, you know, wrestling for a living. Right. But you see, everybody, when Robert and I are wrestling, you know, they, they come up to me, what hot spots are you going to do? I said, dude, I don't know hot spots. You get the hate on me, I give Robert the hot tag. <laughs> that's all we do. That's how it's always it's, been. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to trying to make these guys understand this, Dave, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's even at my roster school. I, I try to explain to them, I said, listen, I'm going to talk to you right now to get blue in the face, and I'll be better off talking to that 
concrete wall because you're not going to understand the damn thing I'm saying. To you. Right. But I promise you, one day it'll slap you upside the head. And then you'll and then you'll be wrestling in a match. They go, oh shit, that's what it is. Uh, things like that happen. You know, David get cash. He's called me before at four o'clock in the evening. Ricky, man, I, I realized what you said to me about this other day, and, and I'm saying, yeah, David, that's cool, but it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> okay, uh, it, it happens a lot, and. Uh, I but was, you know what? They were still up. Gosh, when, I still. Up. We, yeah, you know, when we when we were in Augusta, I wasn't so worried about them getting hurt on the three sixties and the four eighties. I was more worried about them getting beat up by Duggan in the back, who had to follow yeah. that doing his simple match. You know, and that again, it works every time. And and God no, bless no, him. No, you know, see, I know. But see, if you're around the business, you guys go out and do all that. And we can go out, mess around, you know, work with the people, and snatch a headlock, and the roof comes off the building. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen that. <laughs> I tell Seriously. You. And, uh, and it works every time. Basic, 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 and it works, works, works. Hey, just to put the period at the end of the sentence, that story you told me about the guy throwing the cup, could you imagine yeah. going, him and his buddies going out to the bar after the matches and his buddies all buying him beer going, that was the greatest cup shot you ever had. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, it knocked, it knocked him know, out of the ring. Our business at the time, and understand this, Dave. I mean, you could imagine, like you said, imagine if it did, but that never happened. Dude, we came ready. You know, you knew for a while. I mean, you went you there with the Crockett's uh, for a while, Dave. Yeah, I was most I was WCW after they sold, but like right after they sold, I, I came around okay. and uh, okay. Now, but you got to understand in the Crockett days and the Bill Watts days, and the, dude, our business was sacred. No, I uh, know. We didn't know you know, wasn't going out drinking when it was over. A lot, of, and a lot of people asked me all the time, and you know, and they was trying to. Our business was so different. We never dressed with the heels. You didn't went downstairs going over every. In the match, a lot of times, many times, I'm going. I didn't get to finish because on my way to the ring, uh, the referee gave to me seven thousand dollars on my way to the ring. And a lot of times, those so here, yeah. so the Midnight Express, then the, the Horseman, what we called it, Broadway. Yeah, I knew it was going out of a match. So, uh, and we wasn't uh, doing that. I got to say, our finishes were great. Uh, I had the opportunity. To work with some of the greatest workers, the greatest minds, and, 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 and on my way to end up great beat You know, I had great bookers before them: Jerry Lawler, Memphis, uh, Skandar Akbar in Oklahoma, Buck Brody uh, in Texas, and Tully Blanchard. And, and then when we went to Louisiana, Bill Watts and, and uh, Bill Superstar Dundee, man, they. Yeah, but you know, then when you get to Dusty, and I and I'll, I'll give credit to credits dude. Dusty was he was the smartest mind in the business I ever seen. Uh, wow, and that's the reason I got up because Dusty would set me down. You know, I, if, you, if you hear this question a lot, and I heard somebody not long ago say this, and I and and I and I stopped and told him, I said, "Well, Dusty, you know, he was a booker, but he put himself at a lot of the programs." Right. Well. When you're a booker, you know what you want in your head. You know what's what's going to draw. But in order for the people believe to what you're doing, you have to have somebody that knows 
that understands our business. And even back then, you had people that did not understand our business. When I first met Dusty, Dusty watched, we won the world, and he watched our match, you know, and a great compliment. Dusty told me, he said, you're one of the few kids that even understand what I'm trying to say. And, and, and I'm not putting that I was the greatest in the world. But I'd go to the office, and Dusty would make me understand what we had to do to get this program over. Right. And, uh, and that's what I try to pass on. It's about working it. And it's the same thing, just a different way. You know, you had some of your wrestlers that didn't want to put nobody over. You had some of your wrestlers that, you know, they didn't want to do it this way. They didn't want to do it that way. Uh, but, you know, but Dusty taught me that. And I, and for an example, I will tell you this. This is right here. And that's when I worked in Memphis for, uh, Jerry Jarrett, and I was, it was getting on my way, to, you know, not to make it a push, but they were taking me off the bottom cards and putting me in the middle. Sure. And I'm working with uh, Killer Carl Krupp, and I'm going over. And I guess Killer Carl Krupp didn't want to put me over. You understand? Yeah. So I go to the ring, and he wouldn't, you know, sell nothing. Oh, I grab his arm. Oh, that's my sore arm. I said, okay. Oh, oh, that's my sore back. Oh, that's my sore leg. Oh, I just, well, just get the heat on me. But see what he didn't realize, and I outsmarted him. You know, when he was doing stuff to me, there wasn't nothing sore. You know, I was telling him, power slamming, I'd kick out on one. Suplex me, I'd kick out on one. But I, I'd kick out on one. Okay, then finally, I get up my small package of one, two, three, and I walk back to the dressing room. And I never forget to get this. I hope it's all right to say on your podcast. I, uh, Jerry, Jerry, stop me. Come here for a minute. He says, uh, I see Killer Carl Crow didn't want to sell for you, did he? I said, uh, he goes, but he did everything in the world to you, and you kicked out on one or two, and then you got up and you beat him with the small package. Yep. He says, now Jerry, Jerry goes, you're the toughest son of a bitch I ever seen in my <laughs> life. He goes, and the smartest he guy bad me on the back. He goes, now you're starting to get it, son. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people don't see the big picture. It's just you know, ego's a crazy thing. But sometimes they don't see the. He didn't. No, they're still out there, buddy. Oh, they're I know. There. I know. You hey, know, everybody. You, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm listening to you. No, I just wanted uh, I wanted to jump ahead a little bit. I had uh, uh, questions, obviously, I wrote. You, since you mentioned Dusty and working with Dusty, uh, I've heard a lot of stories about having like a sort of a friendly, quote-unquote, friendly rivalry with Dusty when he was Booker, uh, when you, you guys in the Midnight Express or you guys in the Andersons were on the B-shows uh, and, um, and, and he was wrestling Flair in the, quote-unquote, A-shows. And yeah. there's a couple times when, uh, you know, you guys would outdraw the A-shows at a high school. Uh, was, was was that just like a friendly rivalry or is it, uh, uh, you know? When no, 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 no. Uh, our business grown. He had a lot of talent there. Uh, Crockett was spreading right. out, you know, going everywhere. So they started running two shows a night. Okay. But you got to understand this, Dave. And <laughs> See, and I don't, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but God, you know, the, it would go down in history, our rivalry. 
with the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Absolutely. I think. I mean, dude, it was some of the greatest stuff in tag team wrestling. And it opened the doors up for a lot of people in our business. Uh, we were the B teams. And, dude, I mean, the A team, I never, you know, it's Dusty Flair, Magnum, and all them. And, okay, here's the B team. It's Robert and I against the Midnight Express. Uh, or it'd be Robert and I against Ole and Arn. Okay, because Tully was his, he was on the A team with Magnum, you right. know, and Dusty was with Flair. And, uh, dude, would sell out <laughs> everywhere. I mean, I, I'm not even talking about those spots. I'm talking about we'd be in Charlotte, they'd be in Baltimore. We saw it, Charlotte calls in. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this Dusty called me in the office. One day, and he told me, some so I listen, and then I had to smarten up this business. And I, I didn't know if he was kidding or not. He goes, uh, There's a couple of things in this business you don't do. And one of them is you don't sell out the call at Charlotte Coliseum when I'm not on the car. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if he really meant it that way or not. But, uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I, uh, you know, me and Dusty wasn't, uh, you know, I argue with. You know what I'm saying? I, I, when I thought something was right, I thought it was right. Uh, you know, for number one thing, and, and I only blame myself. You know, we, we made that business a lot of money. We were, you know, Crockett. Literally stole from us. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm not blaming Jimmy Crockett, and I'm not blaming Dusty Rose. I'm blaming myself. Because I wasn't educated enough to really know it at that time. And I had nobody to really explain that that part to me. You know, guys that uh, were making twice the money me and Robert were. Right. And we were selling out the damn places. I didn't really, it was my own fault. Then. I can't have nobody to blame but myself. And, uh, but that's the way the business went back. That's the way, the, the way it flowed. Right. So, uh, moving back to the you you and Robert getting put together, I, I've seen that Jerry Jarrett was the one who put you together. I've seen Bill Watts was the one who put you together. I've seen Joe Blanchard was the one who put you together. So let's settle the argument. Who put you and Robert as the Rock and Roll Express together? Well, well, first of all, Robert and I never wrestled the territory with Blanchard. You know, uh, we went in and did some shows for him. I got but, you. Uh, you know, no, uh, I, I'm going to start at the beginning. Uh, Jeff, Jerry, I mean, uh, Jerry, Jerry, and Jerry Lauder, uh, you know, they worked at Coots and in the Memphis. Right. And, uh, Jerry Lawler, Steve Kern, which I gotta say this, a fabulous one. Ah, they were over in Memphis territory. Steve, uh, Stan Lane and Steve Kern. Uh, and they had a fallen out, Jerry, Jerry, and, uh, Jerry Lawler. So, uh, Lawler, was looking to go opposition in Memphis. Wow. And Jerry Jerry. So he, he was looking for a baby face tag team, sort of like the battles. And he come all the way to San Antonio, Texas. Why he was on the car at wrestling there for Joe Blanchard. Matter of fact, that's a Nick Buckley. And uh, he you know, I was in a dressing room. He called me after the hall. And he told me, because Memphis was my home. And he asked my home. So I want to put you and Robert together and tell me the situation about him and Jerry. And 
I said, yeah, I'm in a God, I'd love to come back home and wrestle. So we, uh, I loaded up the truck, moved to Beverly. You know, I mean, we just got in our, uh, you know, so I went back there and gosh, they didn't even, should be hard and Dutch Mantel with that. So when we got there, oh, understand me, Jared and, and Lawler made up. So, of course. They had the fabulous ones. And God, I'm telling you, they were over, buddy. Robert and I were second to them. There we are. But, but today, I love us. You know, we got tag coming in the up there. And first of all, it started out as, you know, the Ricky and Robert, R and R Express, blah, blah. It should be hard. You know, well, I like the Rock and Roll Express because, you know, I looked like a punk rocker at the time anyway. And Robert had a little like Billy Ray Cyrus. You know, we have both had mullets and shit like that. So, and and we got there. And I remember the day we went to a flea market behind the Big South Coliseum for some reason. It was on Sunday. And Jerry Lawler, he's, he's the one that put us together, him and Jimmy Hart. Everybody, you know, him and Jimmy Hart, that's Grant Hill, all had a little bit to do with it. But Lawler was the most. Right. Because he knew Robert and I, he knew Robert and I worked our butt off. But when you're in a situation when you're you're in a territory, we were second fiddle to the fabulous and uh, and and then at this time here, this is when Vince started coming, going into everybody's trying to take over the rest of the world, which the Vietnam. Right. Uh, he was going into every territory, and I never forget this. Uh, Bill Watts came up. All the promoters got together and ran a big show in Memphis. Crockett, all of them. And Bill Watts was there. Eddie Graham was still alive. He was there. Wow. Uh, and all of them come in for this big show. And, and me and Robert went out and wrestled. And, and I never forget this. And it's the greatest compliment I've ever had in my life. And don't get me wrong, the fabulous one, you know, and they was back there meeting. Jerry Garrett, Bill Watts, Eddie Remington. said, I don't know about any of y'all else, but I watched the matches and I learned. He said, you got your kids, one of those you want to push. But in my opinion, those two boys right there, the Rock and Roll Express, they come to get over. <laughs> and he goes, and they, and they haul, they, they're working, working some of the guys, Jeremy. Who said that? So, uh, Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham, wow. Yeah. So, uh, they was going back, and right after that, Bill Watson never Bill Bill Dundee was gonna going in as a booker for Bit South in Louisiana, and uh, he told Bill and Bill Watts asked him, he goes, Bill, what do you think we should do? And he said, Well, look at your baby face, and don't take me wrong from that because it worked great. You know, you got hacksaw Jim does it, one man game. He said they're all big brutes. <laughs> he goes, he do Bill look at baby faces? They're all the girls. Right. And uh, Bill Watts asked me, "Do I want to come to ask us if we want to come to Louisiana?" He says, "He says uh, I will give you a good push. We'll make it." And damn, we didn't go to Louisiana, bro. And we we really popped Bill. You know, if you read Bill Watts' book, he made more money in the two years that Robert and I were there for him than he made it the whole time he on the stern. Uh, that's a great compliment too. Then. Dick Flair, you know, and then NWA Flair, uh, they were taking over TBS for Nationwide, too. And 
And the, and the thing with all the promoters that you know, they get to work out because everybody wanted to push their own people. They didn't want to push outsiders. You hear me? Right. So, uh, so we was wrestling in uh, Bill Watts. I remember we had a big show. And, uh, if Larry went back and told you the crop, Larry seen this work. Larry loved us. You hear me? Right. Oh, God. And, uh, and I never forget this. We, uh, there's Muhammad Ali was there that night, and this is really cool because I'm sitting in the dressing room getting dressed, and my oldest son now, Jonathan, is 36. He was sitting in the floor, right before me, wearing ship belt, playing with his cars. Right. And Muhammad Ali come in and sit down right with him in the floor, started playing. Wow. Oh yes, and I have pictures of all this. It's cool. It's in my wrestling school, but we're in the floor playing cars. And uh, I noticed Flair come in with a little man. I didn't know who that little man was. And uh, they, uh, so everybody got up and leave because they all went with Muhammad Ali. And this little man walked over to me and introduced himself. He says, I'm uh, Jimmy Crockett. I come to watch y'all work. He said, All I hear from Flair is how great y'all are. Uh, and I thought I took, that was great. So I think I was working. I was. I was working at Ted Johnson. And, uh, Dr. Ted, Dr. Ted Seagulls, and, and I told Ted, I said, Ted, I said, you know, Crockett was over there. He uh, said, he'd come here to watch us wrestle night. Ted goes, yeah, we're going to give him something to see you, too. My God, we did. We told him, you know, man, when you're in front of 40,000 people, you know, this is beginning of pay-per-views. I don't know if you understand that or not. Yeah. You know, we need to close circuits. Super show. Six yeah. months for Bill Watts out of Super you don't do you have forty thousand people there. You know, Robert and I even wrestled the Road Warriors in the Super Bowl. They put us over with a double drop beat. <laughs> you know that? Because we um yeah, but we had a hell of a foot there. I mean Bill Watts paid the crap out of him, but right. it was just business, you know, and and, and, and Joe and Hall were business guys, you know. I mean something, you know, like try to mess them around, they would you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Take no crap off nobody. But dude, they put us over like a million dollars. Uh but what he did that right there, uh, you know, we went out and worked with Teddy and, and Doc. And when I came back, Jimmy Crockett kind of Mesa's COVID, everything you said you were. We're working for this big face tag team. Uh, and we want you to, uh, want you to um, we're gonna give you this job. And Dusty, I talked to Dusty, so I'm going to give you all the ball. Carry it. You can have it. And uh, holy crap, you know, it's. Brought us in, yes, and and see, Dusty was a smart booker, guys, and you know him and Magnum were tag team, and and, and, and you know Dusty's single wrestler, man, but you know they were Nikolai. I mean, not I mean, I'm talking about Ivan Koloff and Barry Dorso, right? And then they was bringing Nikita. Nikita was just starting there. He was with them, and you know they beat Dusty, man. They beat everybody in the whole territory. And then they bring Robert I, and they show videos of us. Which is cool, Dusty. He knew the video, different one for like four weeks in a row. Right. Our first night in, we beat the Russians on TV. Wow. The, I remember. The World Tag Team. I remember watching. I remember watching that. Yes. And, and, and David just blew. I mean, see, that's telling you how smart Dusty was. And, and, and with the Russians at that time, we had to be conflict with the Russians, uh, our country and their country. Everything was so, I mean, it just fell right in place. And 
gosh, man, we really, really tore the place down. Hey, was there any particular time that you like were driving down the road or at a bar after the matches and you looked at Robert and you guys realized that this was really going to be something special or did it just kind of happen? It just happened. You know, really, and I was telling you, we were rock stars. Right? Oh, I, I have, really I have, I, that's my next subject. <laughs> yes, but I mean, we, I mean, we were rock stars. Well, Dude, I mean, we, you know, I bought a house in Charlotte. I moved in it, and the next day I woke up, and there must have been 500 people in my front yard. Uh, I'm serious. No, I, I, uh, I believe you. Trust me. You know, Doug Dillinger, I don't know what anybody did. Doug Dillinger got his job. So he worked security, you know, second job for Jimmy Crockett in, in Charlotte and, and stuff like that. But we popped the territory so big. Guys, we, I mean, then Robert, we, one time we put a green girl called him, we did, we, we was trapped in the car for an hour. We couldn't get out. People <laughs> trying to find him. And then that's how Doug Billinger really got his job when he retired from the police force. You know, he was over all the security. Right. Because he had to have it. So, th- so that's so that's how Doug Dillinger got the job as head of security. Wow. Uh, yes, it sure is. You know, that's not right. But he, he, he was with Robert and I all the time. I never knew that. You hear me? That's a great story. Oh, gosh, yes. A man with the rock and roll super some persons Latour, he was with us the whole time. So, uh, so I love Doug. That's a good friend of mine. In that vein, about you know, I have it right here. Every guy dreams about being a quote unquote rock star. I know you had private planes. I know from hanging with Art and Rick later on. I've heard stories about the parties, uh, and I'm sure uh, there was a lot of women available if if if, if you if you wanted them. How how was how was I mean that's. Look, any any normal guy will say, you know, at at, at the age of 18, 19, 20, 20, you know, hell, 52. That's their, you know, that's, that's, they, they dream about stuff like that, you know. Uh, how, you got to live that lifestyle. Uh, how was living that lifestyle? And are there any stories you could tell? I'm, I'm, I won't, I won't be well, offended you know if you can't. Yeah, but I'm not ashamed to tell you uh, anything. You know, matter of fact, I married my girlfriend. My wife, you know, but it was just it was the way it was. Uh, but if I did tell you a story, you know, we're here. I don't like to rub it in, uh, but you got to understand, Dave, that when I tell you a story, it's just only one time. Okay, Absolutely, thirty-five years. <laughs> thirty-five years of that stuff. Uh, man, I had I ripped. You know, I'm with Rick, man, uh, a couple of times. And I'll tell you this story. I mean, I'm in Rick. Rick says, listen, I want some girl from out, you know, in Colorado somewhere. He'd see and she had a friend that wanted to meet me. And uh, it was his birthday. So uh, Rick goes, come on, I'll fly you to New York. And, and uh, we're going to go out tonight. We're going to celebrate. And then forget this guy. We pulled up to, to there. and. Man, we're in New York City, me and Rick, and this beautiful girl, and the, and the other girl that he fixed me up, she was the news anchor for Denver, Colorado news station, and, and he brought her out of the airport, and this son of a gun was beautiful. You hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, and she <laughs> liked me the same way. Yes, sir. <laughs> she wanted to meet Ricky Morton. Yes, sir. Uh, we went out on New York, 
we, my first of all, we went to Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, Chuck Berry's playing there. But Rick, at the see Danny Roy was there, a bunch of them. In the front row down there, Rick went over there and offered them $2,000 for four seats. Wow. And they took it. Okay. Hey. Yeah, but we go to sit down, and Chuck Berry called us all up on the stage. <laughs> uh, that's okay? the story of Rick's life. Said no cheer. He asked Ricky this. He'll tell you this. Whatever I'm telling you, he he would, would tell you. Dude, we talk. I mean, and from there we went on, buddy. I mean, uh, uh, and I'm going to say this. Rick was, you know, he was razor red straight, except for alcohol. You understand me? He didn't do no drugs, and I promise right. you, he didn't. I did. Uh, one of my bad mistakes, but God, man, in that, that night, it was all everywhere, you know, and yeah. God, and, but you see, that was only one night. And I can tell you where that led to, it went to, uh, you know, he, uh, spangled on the ass and all kinds of shit, but, uh, <laughs> that's only one night in our business. And, uh, I, sometimes when I'm with you, I tell you some great stuff. Okay. Hey, you have told me some great stuff, but, uh, wasn't yes, was, wasn't sure if you were comfortable telling uh, telling the podcast world, so I appreciate it. No, it's great, but you know, but I, I know I'm on your podcast, Dave, and time goes by so quick. I know that we went longer than uh, than we were supposed to, but I have a uh, like half a page of questions. Can we get you back on down the road, maybe, to finish it out? You got to come right. Anytime. There you go. Okay. There you go. Just catch me on a Monday. <laughs> I don't have to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will do so. Hey, hey I appreciate the. For- Appreciate the kind words. Do you want to plug your wrestling yeah. school or your podcast? Please yeah, do. Well, you can check me out at my wrestling school. You know, I, I try to tell guys, you know, go to a wrestling school that somebody's familiar with. That everybody knows, you know, like Dan Grill down in Florida, Billy Gunn in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, right. You got Robert Gibson down in Douglasville, Georgia. I'm here in East Tennessee. George South is over in North Carolina. See, you're not going to... Jimmy John's wrestling school. You hear me? You go Absolutely. to somebody that will teach you our business and and how it works. You can find me on the School of Morton. School of Facebook. Morton. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is the babyface Ricky Morton. Uh, then on my real Ricky Morton. Looking forward to seeing you. Answer questions. If you see us out there any work up, please come and see us. We depend on the independent fans. It keeps our business alive. So I really thought with the questions that I had, and I specifically knew that there was a certain time that we had with Ricky before he had to go to his wrestling school, and I really thought that the questions that I had asked that we were going to be able to get through everything. We have not, didn't even get a chance to go through half of the questions. Haven't even hit Smoky Mountain. Didn't even get to ask him about uh, the, the gimmicks that Bobby Blaze was talking about, the blown-up inflatable guitars they were selling for like 100 bucks uh, at Johnson City, Tennessee. So we're going to have Ricky back. God bless him. And, um, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> he was nothing if not honest, and I really appreciate that. Uh, that's what we strive for, honest, uh, good stories, and uh, really appreciate his time. And we'll get him back to finish things out in the next few weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I am off to Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, I am going to be attending, uh, if it all works out, a AAA uh, card. That's not why I'm going to Mexico, but I'm going to be attending a AAA card uh, at the Coliseum in Tijuana. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, my old friend Adolfo La Parca 
and Conan and Juventud Guerrera and uh, Psychosis and uh, a couple of the other guys from when I was in Impact that are uh, Texo, Texano Jr. and um, uh, a couple of the other guys that got to know a little bit when I was uh, the ring announcer for Impact. By the way, speaking of Impact, congratulations to them on what was, uh, I didn't see it, but what was, uh, by all accounts, a fantastic, fantastic pay-per-view anniversary. And uh, congratulations to my good friend Scott Demore, uh, Sanjay Dutt, uh, Don Callis, who I don't know. But, uh, but hey, when Chris Jericho is, is uh, tweeting that he's watching the pay-per-view and it's awesome, uh, that's a testimonial in itself. So I hope to see it. And uh, But from all accounts, it was great stuff, and I'm so happy that they're finally regaining momentum. Their next pay-per-view is going to be in New York City. And uh, you never know who might show up in the Big Apple. Just throwing it out there. But uh, I know who will be showing up next week. We will be back with another episode of City Ringside uh, on my way to Tijuana. My name is David Penzer, and I'm still sitting ringside in Tijuana, Mexico. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. That leads us to the Vikings, clearly the best team in the division. Um, it's an unpredictable season. Case Keenum saved the day for the team. Sam Bradford went down in the second game. Let's remind folks that we think about Case Keenum. That, that's what they thought about Case Keenum. All along, they wanted Sam Bradford, and he couldn't stay healthy. And Case Keenum became the guy. And uh, But they didn't believe he was a long-term answer. So they paid top dollar for Kirk Cousins. And he's a quality quarterback. He's not dynamic as an athlete. Doesn't possess a big arm. So we'll see. They've had a lot of money for a guy that's going to have to produce big time because if this team does not win the division and advance deep into the playoffs, maybe get to the Super Bowl, well, certainly if they don't make the NFC Championship game, it'll be considered a failure, which may be unfair, but that's just how it'll be perceived. I think this this roster is as good as anybody's in the NFC. I mean, it's if you look at the NFC, they've got with the – the Eagles is good of a roster as theirs. And I think they're comparable to the Eagles. I think they're comparable to the Saints. So I think the Vikings are, are right there among the best teams in the league. But I would say who were the teams to beat in the NFC? I would say Philly. I would say Minnesota. I would say the Saints. I would say maybe the Rams, maybe the Falcons. Those, those are the top teams. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.